Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Brian, for that prayer and uh, introduction. Uh, good morning, everyone gathered here uh, in person and online. And uh, good morning, good afternoon, and good night to all those watching a uh, recording of this later. Um, yeah, I'm pleased to be here preaching in the church I grew up in. Um, yeah, I was here from about age 12 to 27, and uh, yeah, just unfortunate that we could not all be gathered here today uh, in person. Uh, a few weeks ago at the church that my girlfriend and I attend in Ontario, the deacon was giving a homily, and uh, at the beginning of the homily, he recounted a story that uh, either a friend or a relative had told him that uh, it's harder to write a short sermon than it is to write a long sermon. Um, so I've attempted to do the challenge of writing a harder sermon for you today, uh, the shorter sermon. Uh, so the impetus for my sermon today came from uh, the six-part series uh, back in October and November that, that was about heaven. Um, and I don't always watch uh, the services here uh, in Hamilton, uh, but this one particularly interested me as the subject of eschatology, the sort of study of, of heaven, of end, end times, of last things, of redemption, uh, something of particular interest to me, um, you know, both personally, but also in my academic studies, especially as it concerns the resurrection of the body. Uh, so yeah, I was watching all these uh, these uh, six sermons from uh, Brian and Rose uh, Brower-Young as well. Um, and at the same time as I was watching these sermons, uh, I also came across this, this passage from Luke that Brian just read. Um, and so, yeah, some of these connections uh, jumped out to me in, in a new light. Um, so I'll briefly ex explain my title before I sort of jump into the sermon proper. Uh, so heaven eyes to heaven eyes, seeing Luke's lepers. Um, so, yeah, obviously heaven eyes, uh, the first part is to have a, a certain kind of eyes or a certain kind of vision um, that we should have eyes that, that see in a certain way. Uh, and then to heaven eyes, and uh, hopefully you'll forgive this neologism, um, but yeah, heaven eyes, uh, as a type of verb, let's say, to, to describe the changing of something into heaven or, uh, yeah, this seeing things in a different way in order to sort of bring the heaven to, heavens to earth. Uh, and then seeing Luke's lepers. Um, again, in this, this passage from Luke, uh, wanting to look at the lepers, but then also see how they are looking, how their vision is. Um, so I'll briefly give uh, a bit of context to Luke and sort of where we find ourselves in the story um, before jumping into to these verses in particular. Uh, so Luke is, of course, one of the four Gospels, and with Matthew and Mark uh, is one of the synoptic Gospels that, that prevent, presents sort of a similar vision, a lot of overlapping um, passages and stories and parables, uh, whereas the Gospel of John is, is sort of distinct uh, it's the longest gospel, and indeed it is the longest book in the New Testament, um, and is likely the only New Testament book, uh, of course, along with Acts, that Luke also wrote, uh, but that is written by a non-Jew. 
Um, and when you compare uh, the Gospel of Luke to the other Gospels, uh, you'll notice that Luke gives a particular focus to uh, the socially marginalized, uh, sort of social outcasts, women, uh, foreigners. Um, and we'll, we see that in this story here where uh, the Samaritan is, of course, uh, an important character uh, as, as a foreigner, as someone who was at odds with the, the Jewish people. Um, so in the Gospel of Luke, we get, of course, the birth narrative that many of you probably read uh, a month ago at the start of Christmas. Uh, we also get the story of Jesus uh, when he was 12 years old. Uh, we get the baptism of Jesus, uh, lots of his teachings, parables. Um, and by the time we get to chapter 17, uh, we're sort of following Jesus in his, his final days or his last journey into Jerusalem, uh, where he gets to in chapter 19. Um, and then, yeah, sort of his final days on earth, um, the story of, of uh, his death and his resurrection. Uh, so yeah, in chapter 17, we're sort of on this, this last leg of his journey to Jerusalem. Um, and this event, um, Jesus cleansing these lepers, uh, is a story that only occurs in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, and there's a lot of parallels to the Good Samaritan, which also only occurs in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and if you know um, uh, the story of the Good Samaritan, you can definitely see the parallels uh, between that and this story. Um, you know, in a way where, you know, both could be parables, both could be true, um, in, in sort of the message that Jesus is trying to convey to his hearers and his readers. Um, so I'm just going to read the passage again uh, as, as I move into sort of an analysis of it. Uh, and I'm reading from the NRSV. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh, so in this passage, there's a number of, of intricacies, a few different lines of thought we could follow. Um, you know, hearing this uh, by me and a few minutes ago by Brian, uh, and I'm sure reading it on your own, hearing the story before, uh, the first thing that probably pops to your mind is gratitude, uh, sort of thanksgiving. Uh, and this is there, of course. And, and if you do a simple search of, uh, you know, sermons on Luke 17, uh, the vast majority of them are all on Thanksgiving and sort of having this attitude of gratitude. Um, so I'm going to leave that to the side. 
Um, we could also sort of investigate, you know, why was a Samaritan together with a group of Jews? These people hated each other. You know, why were they in a group together? Why were these, these lepers together? Uh, we could also talk about a distinction between sort of a physical healing and a spiritual healing. Um, and finally, we could, we could also look at faith, um, which is something that I'll touch on a bit, but uh, when Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Um, but as my title suggests, and as I uh, mentioned uh, in, in discussing it briefly, I want to focus on vision. Because um, I think th this is uh, something that goes overlooked in the story, and is something that at least I haven't really heard talked about um, or discussed in this passage. So I think Luke wants us to notice the noticers. Uh, so again, notice the noticers. What do they notice? Why do they get it? You know, what do they get that others don't get? Um, and then, you know, how can we become noticers? Um, and I think that this sort of vision and noticing uh, is something important that comes before all these other things like, say, faith, thanksgiving, um, these other things that normally get talked about in this story. Um, so, in, in uh, verse 11, uh, Jesus is, is going uh, to Jerusalem and passes between Samaria and Galilee. Um, so, interestingly, uh, in that time, uh, again, sort of the, the Jewish people and, and Samaritans, you know, were at odds with each other. Uh, and Jewish people would often take the long road to uh, Jerusalem on the east side of the Jordan River, uh, which, again, was the more indirect way, longer route to get to Jerusalem, but it, it took them farther away from uh, Samaria. Uh, but here it seems like Jesus is uh, charting a closer route to Samaria, um, and yeah, not intentionally, at least, avoiding these people, but you know, not afraid to be close to these foreigners and aliens uh, that the rest of the Jews were, you know, hated or, or were at odds with. Uh, and as he enters a village, uh, in verse 12, 10 individuals with leprosy call out to him. Um, and as you know, uh, you know, certainly reading you know, footnotes in your Bible, leprosy can refer to a variety of, of skin diseases, um, not necessarily the leprosy that we know today, although it could have included that, of course. Um, so I'm just going to take us back to Leviticus uh, chapter 13. Um, and in here, this uh, third book of Moses, um, we get an, a number of the laws for the people that, that sort of talked about how they should live, what they should wear, what they should eat, you know, stuff around diseases, of course. Um, and, and a lot of them dealing with uh, cleanliness, uncleanliness, the ritual system, um, and how these related to their daily life and also their religious life. Uh, so chapter 13, uh, specifically verse 45, 46, you can look at the rest of the chapter. Um, but in 45, 46, uh, it's written, the person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. 
so yeah, here we see that, that people with leprosy or skin diseases uh, were sort of separated from the rest of the people. They had to be outside the camp uh, to prevent other people from becoming unclean. Uh, and only people who were clean could sort of participate uh, you know, in the religious system of the day. Uh, so if they were you know, unclean, they had to be separated. Um, and yeah, they were supposed to live alone, living outside the camp. Uh, and then again, if people came close to them or, or they somehow came close to people, they had to call out unclean, unclean, uh, to prevent you know, clean people from, from becoming unclean. Um, so that gives sort of some context for, for why we hear these lepers in, in Luke's story calling out uh, unclean, uh, calling out to Jesus from a distance. Um, and then briefly in uh, chapter 14 of Leviticus, again, you can read more on your own, uh, but I'll just read the first few verses here uh, about sort of purification for people who have leprosy. Um, so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the ritual for the leprous person at the time of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall make an examination. If the disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command that two living clean birds and cedar wood and crimson yarn and hyssop be brought for the one who is to be cleansed. And it sort of goes on uh, with a bunch of different um, requirements for, for ritual cleansing, uh, and sort of sacrifice dealing with, with uh, becoming clean and entering back into uh, sort of the community and the re religious life of that community. Uh, but yeah, the important part here is that uh, the priest has to make an examination. Is this person clean? Is this person not clean? Um, so uh, getting back to Luke, um, these lepers are calling out to Jesus and sort of calling out from a distance, not wanting to make him and his followers unclean. Um, and they call him master and ask for mercy. And this shows us that, that these people had heard about Jesus, had heard about his ministry of healing. Um, and of course, a few chapters earlier, Luke 5, there is a, a story of Jesus healing a leper. Uh, verses 12 to 16. Um, and in, in verse 14, after healing him, uh, Jesus, or it's written, and he ordered him to tell no one. Go, he said, and show yourself to the priest, and as Moses commanded, make an offering for your cleansing. Um, so in, in both stories, um, we see that Jesus tells these people, go to the priest, show yourself, um, you know, in chapter five, make an offering. Uh, but here we see Jesus sort of following the law of the land and telling, um, telling these, you know, cleansed uh, people, people who've been cleansed from their leprosy, go show yourselves to the priest, they will make the judgment, are you clean, are you unclean? Um, so we get to, to uh, verses 14, 15, after, after Jesus has told them, show yourselves. Uh, and as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, all, all ten were made clean, sort of on the, on the way as they went, they were all made clean. 
Uh, but then it says, then one of them, when he saw, uh, and here's where I want to sort of get to the meat of my message. Uh, when we normally read this, this passage, these verses, uh, normally hear it, say, talked about it in a sermon, read about it in a book, um, we think, or we are told, um, that all 10 lepers noticed uh, or saw that they were healed, but it was only the one that returned. Um, and of course, the, the, the cleansing from leprosy, surely it would have been noticed. Um, you know, it doesn't tell us how long these individuals had leprosy, but uh, surely some of them had it for, you know, a year, perhaps multiple years, some of them maybe their whole life. Um, so the, the, the change, the cleansing, it surely would have been noticed. Um, yet we are not told in the scripture that the other nine see or notice that they are healed. So why do we assume that this is the case? Um, is it just that these nine were ungrateful for having been cleansed, and thus the primary interpretation that we normally read or hear? Or, and this is what I'm suggesting, did these nine actually fail to see, fail to notice that they had been healed? Right? Did they not see that cleansing had taken place? Uh, all right, so now some of you are probably thinking, again, of course they would have noticed uh, if this cleansing had taken place. Uh, and of course, in, in the final verses, 18, 19, uh, Jesus talked about this one leper's returning to praise God, which is an act, act of thanksgiving, which gets talked about, uh, that his faith had healed him. Uh, so again, what's this about vision? Uh, and of course, you're right, these things are definitely there uh, in the story. Uh, Jesus does say these things. Uh, and I will t touch on faith in a minute. Uh, but it is what Luke tells us uh, in the next few verses that I think you know, lends itself to uh, vision being something important. Uh, so in verses 20 and 21, once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is, for in fact, the kingdom of God is among you. So in these verses immediately following the story of the lepers, um, which, I mean, in some sense, you could say conveniently have been separated into to a distinct section uh, with a distinct header. Uh, but I think perhaps inconveniently is now we, we read these as two separate things and don't necessarily flow from one to the other. Uh, but Luke records uh, an interaction involving vision, again, seeing, noticing. Uh, Jesus informs the Pharisees that they have a vision issue. Right? So they ask him when the kingdom will come. You know, where, when will it come? This is something you've been preaching a lot about, talking about, going from town to town, talking about the kingdom of heaven. When's it going to come? When's it going to show up? And Jesus tells them, it's already here. Right? The kingdom of God is among you. Or another translation of this is the kingdom of God is within you. Right? It is here. Uh, they have simply failed to notice it. Uh, why have they failed to notice it, though? 
I think it's because they've been expecting something uh, which is not the case, you know, something that will not happen. They've been looking for something, they've, they've had their eyes set on something, uh, looking for this, looking for this, but it's not happening. Uh, and that's why they've not been able to, to see uh, what's actually here among them. Uh, so they have this vision issue. Now again, why is this the case? Uh, and I think it's because they've been looking with the wrong eyes. Uh, they've been looking, you could say, with old eyes. Um, uh, you know, certainly the, the Jewish people had, had, you know, for a long time been uh, expecting certain, certain things from God, hoping for certain things. Uh, and Jesus came to bring something new uh, or, or definitely to fulfill something, but in a different way than they'd been expecting. Um, we, we often talk in, in daily life uh, about seeing things through rose-tinted glasses. Um, and I think Jesus is calling us to, to look with heaven-tinted glasses, uh, you can see with eyes of faith, uh, or in my title, heaven eyes, um, that there's a different kind of vision um, that is required to, to sort of see the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and it's a kind of vision that Jesus is calling to us, uh, a kind of vision that Jesus is showing us through his life, his, his words, his deeds, his ministry. Uh, and I think here is where sort of faith, vision, and heaven come together. Um, a few verses before our passage, uh, again in Luke 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Uh, so they're asking Jesus, increase our faith. We want more faith. We want to believe what you're, you're talking about, what, what you're doing, right? Increase our faith. Uh, and this, the, you know, the section right after, starting in verse 11, so six verses later, when Jesus cleanses the lepers, uh, sort of this perfect example, perfect story about faith, a perfect teaching moment, you could say, for uh, the disciples. Um, and of course, we can also look uh, in Hebrews 11, uh, the so-called faith chapter, um, where we, the, the author of this uh, book talks about uh, seeing things which we cannot see, right? Hoping for things that are not there, uh, sort of having this different vision based on faith. Um, so I think th these uh, ideas all tie in uh, back to this Heaven series uh, back in October, November. Uh, and again, sort of this, this was, uh, you know, m me reflecting on, on these verses, on these passages at the same time that I was watching these sermons and, and, and something was clicking for me. Um, and um, yeah, I think what, what struck me uh, from the, from the messages from Rose and Brian is that we've come to expect a certain thing about heaven, about you know, the end times. And um, we've been looking or having a certain vision about what, what that will look like, what that will be. Um, and I think those messages highlighted uh, you know, that we've been looking for the wrong thing, we've had a wrong kind of vision. Um, and I think here in, in Luke, these verses, 
Um, and in conclusion, um, I just want to say that, that Luke is wanting us to notice the noticers. Um, and I hope that um, you can take that same motto uh, as you look through the rest of the scriptures. How can I notice the noticers? What are the authors uh, of these different uh, you know, gospels or, or Paul's letters? What is the author trying to get me to notice? Who's he trying to get me to see? And how are these characters seeing something differently? Uh, so how can we notice the noticers? Uh, and therefore, how can we become better noticers ourselves? How can we change our vision? How can we change our seeing uh, in order to see that the kingdom of heaven is already here, it is among us? Um, how can we be like this one leper who saw rather than perhaps these un other 10 lepers that just didn't see, didn't notice? Um, so in the, in the way that, that Jesus tells the Pharisees that the kingdom of heaven is already here, uh, you've just not noticed it. Uh, yeah, think about the ways in which perhaps the kingdom of heaven is here uh, amongst us in your own life, uh, in your own family, in your own community, uh, in your world, uh, but you've simply not noticed it. And because you've not noticed it, you've not uh, changed your behavior. Uh, so I pray for you, my prayer for me, uh, is that we would have heaven eyes, uh, that we would ask God for heaven eyes, that we would ask God uh, for the faith to see things differently, perhaps, than we might expect, uh, to look at the world differently than we've come to look at it so far. Uh, so I'll turn things back over to Brian, uh, who will give us a benediction. Uh, but yeah, thank you, and God bless.